so keep her in your prayers. Oh, I haven't got the... All right. We continue our series on God is our strength. And prayerfully and hopefully this is helping you in your faith and your faithfulness, uh, strengthening. That's what I intend these Sunday evening lessons to be about, really, mainly, our, our faith strengthening, faith encouraging lessons. And so this particular one, I've entitled God is our strength, and then kind of a subtitle, are you trying to handle things alone? And a whole lot of people, I think they find themselves, they want to have faith in God, they say they've got faith in God, but they're trying to handle some difficult situations in their lives by themselves. They're not really turning to God. They're not really depending upon him. Maybe they're not really being as faithful as they need to be to begin with, and so they don't really know how to turn to God. And so then they become frustrated. Well, there's no need for that. If you're trying to handle things yourself, then you're automatically, ultimately going down a road to failure. So we've talked about just the basic premise or principle that we need to lean upon God for our strength in times of, of difficulty and struggle. And then we've looked at some specifics. We've talked about how God is our refuge and strength in the face of temptation because the devil's always after us, always trying to lead us into sin through various temptations. God is our refuge and strength in times of sickness and physical infirmity and that strikes almost everybody, either personally or through loved ones and, and friends. And so again, and the devil will use that as an avenue to again attack our faith and faithfulness. Now this, this evening, I want us to look at another section of this study, and that is that God is our refuge and strength in the face of death. So again, God is our refuge and strength in times of trouble and struggle. Psalm 46, verses one through three, the psalmist wrote, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though, the water, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. I think we're to understand the application or at least the suggestion on the part of the psalmist that even if these cataclysmic events were to happen, if the earth be removed, if the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, and we can imagine some natural calamities or disasters attached to some of those statements like volcanic eruptions and tsunamis and so on, Still, the, the point of the psalmist is, God is my refuge and strength, but not just mine personally, our refuge and strength. He's there for everybody who will come to him and turn to him for help and for forgiveness and ultimately for strength as we live our lives in faithfulness before him. We also understand that we can always trust God. Always we can trust God in every situation if we're walking with him. And a lot of times people will, they will look to certain individuals in their lives for help, 
for strength, for encouragement, and so on, support. But ultimately, they find a lot of times those people are not really there very fully when it comes to a great need in their lives. So they find themselves coming up short. In Psalm 62 and verse 2, the psalmist wrote, He, speaking of God, is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I will not be greatly moved. And then dropping down to verses 6 through 8, he repeats himself but adds some more statements there. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations in life where... <clears throat> When we've turned to family, we've turned to friends, they've done all they can do, but they can't do any more. They have gone to the lengths of their resources or their abilities to help, but God, he does not come up short anytime. He has power beyond anything that we could see in this world. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, Ephesians 3 and verse 20. So we need to lean upon God. We need to learn to lean upon God that does not mean we should not do what we can for ourselves as we have the ability, but we, can, we need to lean upon God and turn to him and trust him in all situations throughout our lives. He is our refuge and strength in times of struggle and difficulty. God is there and we need to believe in him. He is our refuge and strength in the face of death. Physical death and judgment to follow are absolute realities. All of us, undoubtedly, have been touched by death in our families or friends or loved ones or someone has told us, probably every one of us, either in our families or in our friendship relationships or maybe work associates. We've all been touched by death, physical death. And physical death and judgment to follow are absolute realities. The wise man, Solomon, wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. And then his list goes on rather lengthily, but this was the point I wanted to make. A time to be born and a time to die. Physical death, unquestionably, is a reality, unless the Lord comes again first. Hebrews 9 and verse 27, it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. And so it's not just physical death, but it's what comes after as well, and that's going to be eternal judgment. In Psalm 90 and verse 10, the psalmist, and this is the second time where we see God limiting the lifespan, the physical lifespan of humanity. You can go back to the pre-flood and he limited it to be about 120 years. And before the flood, you saw human beings living to be 500, 600, 700, 800, 900 plus years. Noah himself, or rather Adam himself, lived to be 930-some years old, I believe. Methuselah, the oldest on record, but that does not necessarily mean 
he lived longer than anybody else. We simply have a record in the genealogies that tells us that in those genealogical records, he lived longer than anybody else, 960 some years, I believe. Noah lived hundreds of years. The list goes on and on and on. But about the time of the flood in Genesis chapter five, I believe it is, God said, hey, mankind, mankind, a lot of wickedness out there. And so he restricted the life or the longevity of physical life to about 120 years, I believe it says. But then the psalmist, hundreds of years later, God guided the psalmist in Psalm 90 and verse 10 to restrict it to even a shorter period of time. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet, they, that yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. And if we look in our, in our uh, records, you know, statistically today in our country, you find that probably the average lifespan is somewhere from 70 to 80 years, something like that. Now, I know that we have more, uh, more hundred-year-old people than we have ever had in the history of our nation, but that's still a pretty small minority compared to the lifespan of most everybody else. And so it's typical. We'll find people dying in their 70s, in their 80s or around 80, but then you'll find a whole lot of people dying a whole lot younger than that. And as a gospel preacher, I preach funerals for people of all ages, basically, all the way down to toddlers. Well, so when you look at the average, you're probably looking right there somewhere from 70 to 80 years around, around that particular period of time. So it's, it's a reality. We're going to face physical death on this earth unless the Lord comes again for that final day of judgment. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 20, all go to one place. All are from the dust and all return to the dust. Genesis 3 and verse 19, part of the judgment that God pronounced upon mankind going all the way back to Adam and Eve was physical death. He removed them from the Garden of Eden where the tree of life was, so they had no more access to the tree of life on this earth. There is the tree of life portrayed in the book of Revelation in heaven, but they, he removed them from that, the access to the tree of life that he placed in the garden, the Garden of Eden, so they had no more access to that. And so physical death became a reality. And that was part of God's judgment upon mankind because of sin. And so he, he pronounced upon Adam, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for dust you are and to dust you shall return. Then we come back to Ecclesiastes again, chapter 12 and verse one. And I'm not going to read the entire text there. It is a very, a very illustrative, figurative of speech kind of, of text that keeps emphasizing that physical death is a reality. But I'm gonna look at verse one. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. <clears throat> and that last statement is focusing, I believe, on a time when people become old, feeble, and sickly. And so death becomes a closer reality for them 
and they come to the point where, and we've all heard people, heard, either heard people tell us this themselves or heard of people uh, who have told other people, you know, I'm just ready to go. I, I, just, I just wish God would take me because they're struggling so much with their physical health or physical condition that, that they just, they're tired of fighting. And so that's what the, what, what the wise man, I believe, is trying to get across. And the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Life has lost its luster for those individuals. And so again, emphasizing, and these scriptures over and over again, that death is a reality. But what we need to understand is, recognizing this reality, God is still there for us. In verses six and seven, the wise man goes on and he says, remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed. Again, a figurative kind of language talking about the silver cord being loosed or cut. In other words, the lifespan, death. Or the golden bowl is broken. The same kind, just a different figure of speech identifying the same reality, and that's physical death. Or the pitch, a pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So the spirit of man returned to God who gave it and the body decays back to the dust of the ground from which God created it originally, going back to Genesis chapter two. So interesting, interesting language. And again, very illustrative, figurative kind of illustrations. But over and over again, we read that physical death is a reality. Now, but the Lord is good. And the Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble. Whatever trouble that might be, God is our strength and refuge if we walk with God faithfully and obediently on a consistent basis. In Nahum chapter one, verse seven, the Lord is good and notice a stronghold in the day of trouble and he knows those who trust in him. God knows if we're walking with him, if we're striving to do the best we can to be faithful to him, to be, to be true to him. God knows us. He knows, he knows our dedication, our determination, our mindset. And so God is good and is a stronghold for us in the day of trouble. And trouble can take a whole lot of different forms. It can come at us from a whole lot of different directions. And it can be a repeated kind of situation over the years of our lives coming at us, affecting us in different ways at different times. Remember what the wise man said earlier, you know, basically he's saying life in this world is full of trouble, full of challenges. So Nahum is kind of re, is, is kind of, of, of repeating that or emphasizing that himself. The psalmist in Psalm 31, beginning with verse 14, wrote, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord, I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me from my, for your mercy's sake. So I trust in you, O Lord. My times are in your hand. What does that mean? My life is in your hand. The time of my life will be, is, is, is in your hand. I'm trusting you with my life. And there is nobody we can trust more confidently 
with our lives than God. I, I like the 23rd Psalm. I like that Psalm. I've said for many years, it, I, 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 I think it's unfortunate that we look at that basically as a death Psalm. I don't think we should see it that way. The 23rd Psalm is a great encouraging Psalm for us while we live. Now, yes, it's appropriate to focus upon that at a funeral service, to think of it when maybe we've lost a loved one. I exercise that particular practice when I lost a loved one in my family. But it really is a psalm that ought to encourage us and assure us of God's care for us, of his being our refuge and strength while we're living our life. I just pulled one particular verse out of that Psalm. Verse four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, why? Why do I not need to, why do I not need to fear evil if I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Because you are with me, speaking of God. You are with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. When are we walking through the valley of the shadow of death? I think a lot of people would think, well, that's when a person's on his deathbed. That's when a person has been diagnosed with inoperable, incurable cancer or some such disease or disorder. Well, certainly that would apply those mindsets, but we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death every day we're alive in this world. Physical, physical life is always facing the shadow of death because again, we're going to die one day unless the Lord comes first. And a lot of times people will think when they're, you know, in their 20s or 30s or maybe even 40s, oh, that's way off. Well, as I said, I preached funerals for elderly folks and I preached funerals for young folks. I preached funerals for, or at least been there, you know, in some cases for young children. Death is no respecter of persons. It comes to us and for a whole lot of people, very, very unexpectedly. Well, let's look a little bit further. God has made a way by which we can overcome physical death. Now, someone says, uh, you mean a way for us to, to never have to die physically? No, that's not what I mean. I've been catching a headline just recently about somebody saying, you know, that uh, we might be able to live forever. And I think there have been some, I don't know if, if you would really call them medical researchers or, or researchers of some other kind who keep trying to come up and keep saying, we, we, you know, we're looking at this, if we can figure this out, we might be able to regenerate cells and regenerate, you know, the, the, the life force in the body forever, on and on and on and on. Well, I read those headlines, maybe I read some of the articles, and uh, let me tell you, that, that ain't gonna happen because God has said, you're going to die until the Lord comes again. You're gonna die physically. God has pronounced that. It's like when some people, they talk about, you know, we're gonna destroy the world through global warming. 
or through global cooling, depending on what part of history you're looking at. I, I look at those headlines, I listen to those people, I read those articles, and I think immediately, that's not how the world's gonna come to an end. Some people talk about nuclear holocaust. God doesn't need nuclear weapons to bring this world to an end. He spoke and it came into being. When God determines this is the time, this is the time, humanity has become so wicked again, it's time for me to bring it to a close. It will happen on his timetable by his power, by his power. So God, but God has made a way by which we can overcome physical death. But it's not through physical eternal life, but rather through spiritual eternal life. In Romans 5 and verse 21, the apostle Paul wrote, so that as sin reigned in death, and what does Romans 6.23 say again? The wages of sin is death, right? Even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And again, verse 23, has both sides of the ledger, both realities. The wages of sin is death, spiritual death because of sin, but physical death because of spiritual death through sin. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's not eternal life here in this earth because again, the scriptures repeatedly tell us that God's gonna bring this world to an end one day, but eternal life in heaven. John 3 and verse 36, Jesus said, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Now that's not just an intellectual belief, but it's a belief that's put into action through obedience and consistent dedication. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. John chapter 5, verses 24 and 25. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in me who sent me, or rather believes in him who sent me, has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say, to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice, notice the dead, will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now we're talking about, and if we had time to read through the entire 15th chapter, all 50 some verses of 1 Corinthians, we'd see how Paul meticulously lays out God's plan for our being able to look forward to eternal life in heaven. But now when you, when you read through that particular chapter, that text, he makes the point that we're not going to live forever in this physical body, but he says we're gonna be changed. Those of us who are the saved, we're gonna be changed. We're gonna receive a spiritual body. God is spirit and we will receive a spiritual body and we will overcome physical death. Now again, unless the Lord comes again first, we'll still die physically, but we'll have, and, and notice the, the, the tenor of the languages here, the tenses in this particular text of scripture, John 5 verses 24 and 25, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. 
in the present. It's already promised, it's already assured to us if we live that faithful life with God and through Christ. When the dead hear the voice of the Son of God, those who hear will live. So we can look forward to that eternal life. John 8 and verse 51, most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Not eternal death. And eternal condemnation and hell is described in Revelation 20, 21 and verse 8 as the second death. After the physical death of the physical body, the second death, and that's eternal condemnation in hell. God has made the way that we don't need to fear physical death. Jesus told the apostles on the night of his betrayal in John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Where? In heaven? With God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be. What a great promise. And what a great encouragement and what a great expectation that Jesus laid out for the apostles, but not just for the apostles, for all who would follow him in faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 26, Paul said, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And then in verses 54 through 57, he went on to say, as he closes out that particular chapter and text, on the resurrection, he said, so when this corruptible, this physical body, which decays, which gets sick, when it, 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 which runs down, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, when we have received that spiritual body after our physical death or when the Lord comes again, if we're still living at that time, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be, swallowed, uh, shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? But we have victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has made the way for us to overcome physical death. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, the apostle Paul wrote, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, not abolished physical death, except in the reality that we will live eternally, spiritually. And then we look at Revelation 2 and verse 10. Jesus said, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life, referring to eternal life with him in heaven again. What great verses of scripture. Revelation 21 in verse four, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. What's he talking about there? It's a description of the reality that we will enjoy in heaven for eternity. 
No more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. So in, when we get to heaven, physical death will be abolished. And we will enjoy eternal life with our Heavenly Father and our Savior and the Holy Spirit. Now, as faithful Christians, we see beyond just physical death, just the physical life. In Romans chapter 14, beginning with verse 7, Paul wrote, None of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We're not focused primarily upon life in this world as the end all and be all, but we're looking forward to after this life. As faithful Christians, we see beyond this physical life and beyond physical death, and we focus on the eternal reward that God has waiting for us in heaven. And that's eternal life. That's eternal life. What a great promise. What a great prospect. What great certainty and assurance that God guarantees us if we walk with him faithfully in this world, in this physical life. Abolish death. No more dying. No more pain. No more suffering. No more crying. And pain, suffering, crying, sickness are so overwhelmingly associated with physical death. And when that's abolished in eternity, those things that go with it are abolished as well. What a great blessing. What a great promise. What a great encouragement. If you need to get your life right with God and your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we encourage you to take whatever step is appropriate in your life. If you're ready to be baptized, immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of your sins, coming into Christ at that point, we encourage you to take that step. If you need to study some more about that, we'll study with you or make the way to, for you to study on your own if that's what you want to do. If you need the prayers of the church, as one did this morning, and also one was baptized this morning. We're here to pray with you and for you. We want to help you. We want to help you have that assurance, that strength, knowing that physical death is not the end for you, that you look forward to eternal life in heaven. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing?